How you doing, Ben? Nice to see you. Good seeing you, bro. It's been a long time. Oh, yeah. Um, now, we just had an interview earlier with, uh, with Jake Asman, but let's, we'll formally bring in the show. Second Floor Sports coming to you live from Ithaca and New Hyde Park, both in New York, best state in the uh, continental U.S., if you ask me. Damn right. Thursday, August 27th. August 26th will be a day that we remember for a long time. I mean, the, the NBA has had two of those already. Un, literally the most unbelievable day that, like, I, yep. you, you can't even write – you can't write this stuff. Uh-huh. Um, we got an interview with Jake Asman, a good friend of ours that we went to Ithaca with, uh, ESPN Houston reporter, sports map uh, host on the air. Uh, you can follow him on his social medias. We'll have that interview posted later today. But, Ben, let's get right to it. We're going to be talking the boycotts. We're going to be talking playoffs. We're going to be talking Messi maybe leaving Barcelona. Yes, you heard that. We're talking more soccer than, on the we're show. We're talking soccer. I mean, it's more than maybe. I mean, um, we'll start. We'll get into that. Let's, so, we'll, you want to kick things off? Sure. I'll, I'll kick it off with a question. Please. Three, so, the first – the Bucks magic game yesterday was set for 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly wasn't even planning on watching it. I was like, all right, it's Bucks Magic. The series is over. Like, it's a wrap. I had very little interest in watching it. I was trying, I was like doing laundry or something. I don't know. I start seeing these, tw- I start getting tweets on my phone, seeing notifications that the Bucks players aren't on the court. It's like 20 minutes till tip. It's 10 minutes till tip. It's five minutes till tip. No one's on the court. Mm-hmm. And we had kind of heard, well, we had heard initially that the Raptors and the Celtics were thinking, were at least, talking it. about a boycott they were considering it it was on the table so this wasn't entirely out of nowhere necessarily mm-hmm. um but then i so like i go and like turn the game on and I, it's just this really bizarre sight of like seeing the magic like on the court warming up doing their layup lines and everything and just know what like no courts of themselves yeah four o'clock hits the buzzer sounds zeros on the shot clock on the game clock bucks nowhere to be found mm-hmm couple minutes later the magic end up walking off the court I, I i don't know exactly when it was was made official that the game was being boycotted probably around 4 30 if i had to guess i think a little earlier than that honestly i was watching i don't have an exact time but i was watching the whole thing and you know the the announcer said they were like here come your orlando magic or something like that <laughs> and it was just like where's the other team like they what george hill said is that you know and we'll get into this later because some players did feel like they were blindsided a little bit um they decided it while they were in the locker room um they were like i i don't know what the exact conversation was but it was probably along the lines of what if we just don't play today like this is you and i were talking about earlier today before the show started about like we're I, i think we're both pretty excited to like kind of hear from the players yeah, you know, Jordan and the Bucks made their statement outside their locker room, but to hear from like the players' association, like the the whole united front, to hear like what, what, what are their goals? What are their like? What do they want? What specifically do they want to get out of this? I mean, there's so much mm-hmm. conversation today about, not just with the NBA, but about people, you know, fighting for social change. It's like, well, you can't just say we want change. You want you want to have something concrete. You want to be fighting for. It. You want to say like here are our goals. We want X, Y, and Z to happen. And here's how we're going to get there. And that's, you know, it's it's an important step. So I'm personally really curious to see kind of what, what the players come out and say, because, you know, there's been a lot of this conversation on Twitter. It's like, well, what, 
what what does the NBA have to do to get the players to agree to play again? Mm-hmm. It's like what and what can they possibly do? I mean, if the players are truly dug in on this, like what can the owners do right now to literally save the season? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I you know, it's our interview with Jake Asman that was of of we had a thirty minute interview slated. He's a reporter for ESPN Houston. We were really excited to talk to him about everything Houston, you know, Thunder. The Houston Thunder. Everything Houston and Thunder. I meant the series, Ben. Um, and, you know, that, that just was not the topic of the conversation. Like, it's, it, well, it's, it, it's taken I mean, a complete backseat. I mean, we and, only, what, we texted him two days ago to see if he could come on? Yeah. And then we were working on the interview questions yesterday, like, afternoon. Maybe I think it was, like, maybe earlier in the morning, you know, classic, like, oh, favorite series, who do you think the MVP, like, who's going to win the chip? And then you have to completely change course. Our, our entire document was just, what do we ask him? Because no one had any, I mean, up until this morning, it was possible that we weren't going to have an NBA season. Now things have kind of been, the tide's been turning a little bit. It seems like we're going to have an NBA season. Um, you know, it's kind of running through the timeline after the Bucks boycott. Um, after that became official, it was pretty clear that teams weren't going to play for the rest of the day, right? Shortly thereafter, the Rockets canceled their game, and you know, yeah, you know, I, I, and I was, it was the type of thing that's like you're watching and you re, you can kind of like once at least for me once the initial shock of like, oh my god, like this is really happening wore off. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, well, I don't see any way that you know Chris Paul no. is going to agree to play. I don't see any way that LeBron is going to agree to play. No, no, and, and I, I think, think the official announcement right came too. within like an hour of the Bucks magic scheduled tip off that all three games that day were canceled. Yeah. I was still watching uh, uh, NBA TV when they, yeah. when they canceled the other games. I, you know, I, that's obviously the right move. You can't really, you know, uh, put the pressure on with a boycott if they're just going to have a game two hours later. Right. Oh, exactly. Um, Completely. So kills the point. So, so the other, other games get uh, postponed boycott, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then, you know, not really a foreseen ripple. Um, but in solidarity, following suit, the WNBA, who they originally were going to play their games, they canceled mm-hmm. um, their remaining games. Uh, the NHL said we are not going to postpone games, but we completely support and back anyone who chooses to do so. Um, when we talked to Jake about that, I share the same sentiment as him. Don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, no. MLB had a couple of cancellations. Like you, you, you don't want it to be a hollow state. Like you'd rather no. Yeah, you don't want a hollow statement. You don't want to just yeah. like do something performatively. Just like oh, like we did. It's like something we talked about with Jake was like the thing I think that's so awesome about the the way the NBA has handled this is it was player driven. The players came yep. up with the idea and the players executed it. It wasn't you know like a a, a show a top down message. It wasn't you know like mandated by the league. It was it was natural and it came. It, became, it came out of what the players themselves wanted to accomplish. Nothing about what happened yesterday was funny, but there were two funny tweets I saw yesterday. Okay. I'm going to toot my own horn. One of them was from me. I thought absolute banger wow. of a tweet. Um, well, don't worry. The other one isn't is, from who, me. Literally, who is this kid? Um, well, it was just funny because, like, this was two, all – Wow. That really is an all-time line. I saw two funny tweets <laughs> One of them was my own. Okay, well, hear me out and you tell me this isn't funny, all right? The first one was, the, you know, this was very player-driven, which I think is great because even though, you know, it's the is NBA. Is your tweet that, you're talking about or is this the other tweet? No, 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 this is just the context. I think it's, you know, the NBA allows 
you know, there to be Black Lives Matter on the courts and they're, you know, they're allowing certain phrases to be on the back of the jerseys. But this has all been spearheaded by the players, which I think is better, honestly. Um, yes, correct. I was responsible for 50% of all funny tweets. Yeah, Matthias um, was definitely responsible for all those tweets. Oh, that's a – you spelled my name wrong. Um, but, like, the games get postponed. They've already announced they're not going to play it. And then the NBA comes down and is like, yeah, we're postponing all the games. And it was like, this literally seems like you're getting broken up with. And you're like, okay, no, Actually, I'm going to break up with you. First. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the only other funny tweet, the only other funny tweet. Yeah, there were two funny was, tweets yesterday. As soon as this all was going down, our good friend Jack Powers from the Outcast Pod goes, I wonder what Clay Travis that is going to say. That was flames, actually. And he just – and it was along the lines of millionaires don't know what it's like, blah, 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 this and that. And basically to a T, he sniped tweeted it. it out. Absolutely sniped it. Absolutely hilarious. Props to Jack Powers. So, yeah. That was the only funny tweets from yesterday. But on a more serious note, a historic day, right? We, we looked at the Thunder and Jazz game getting canceled because of COVID. And we're like, wow, this is one of the biggest days. Of and NBA we both, and we were five months later, here we are again. At, we were, and you and I were together. We were literally at a bar, like looking at the TV, being like, what the hell is going Like, what yeah. is happening right now? And I was like, all right, this is hands down the craziest day I've ever like, seen in basketball. And five months, yeah, what, five months later? Yeah. yeah, a little over five months that day that far surpassed. Um, it's it, been almost six months since Tiger King. Wow, that doesn't make any sense That's to nuts. me. Nuts. A long, a long theory from the show is that time doesn't exist anyway. Time is not real. Uh. Uh-uh. But that is that is bonkers. Oh, don't get me going on that. That's yeah. Oh, we can yeah. do a whole. That's a different podcast. That's a very um, different podcast. So you know, games are all postponed. Other leagues are, uh, other leagues are deciding to, uh, you know, cancel their games, postpone their games. And then it gets to the nighttime because we knew there was going to be a meeting because the big thing was, does the season continue, right? We're boycotting this. Do we have this as a one game boycott or do we just say enough is enough? And like, we, we can't do this any longer because that was a concern coming into the bubble was, you know, there was an ESPN article from Woj that said Kyrie Irving, the disruptor, right? Because he Quote, was unquote. concerned. Like, <laughs> yeah, he was concerned. I had, that, you had brought that up earlier when, before the show, and I like I've completely forgotten about that article. Yeah. It's like kind of remarkable that a guy like Woj could like publish an article like that, just kind of right, like shitting on Kyrie Irving. There, uh, there are a lot of people that need to apologize to Kyrie Irving because it has clearly happened. Like there is, look, there is no. Um, there is no sporting event that can happen right now in the United States that does not talk about what is going on. We had this, I sent you a text yesterday, right? I was watching the Mets game Mm -hmm. and they were talking about the fact that they're going to play, but obviously things are very up in the air right now. And literally, you know, Gary Cohen is talking about, you know, uh, racial injustices and black lives matter as Cano smacks the ball into deep right field. Like, like Tom objectively hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Like a little different, but a little different, um, but the, the same sentiment. Yeah. Like, I mean, as two broadcasters, it's kind of like, I mean, how do you handle that? Like, you're yeah. there to do a job. Like, you're literally your job is to call the game. And it's like you get, and it's like you get going in these conversations, and it's kind of like, how do you, how do you manage it? It's tough. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's good. You, try, you can, I don't think we've ever been in any situation like that, calling a game together. Not. 
Not that I can think don't, of. Don't think so. The, or the, um, you know, I think four years ago, yesterday, Colin Kaepernick kneeled for the first yeah, time. Literally. And we called one game. I, it was against Utica. No. No, it was against, against Hobart. Um, yeah. Hobart. Hobart. I don't remember. Was it Al Smith? Something like that. He was a defensive I think lineman. It was. It was a, no, yeah, it was because he was the same guy that got thrown out. Yeah, and he wore like number two or something. Yeah, it was I, weird. classic like you know college yeah. defensive lineman number. Only the only player we've seen in our two uh, our two years of broadcasting Ethical football that took a knee, took well, a knee, and raised his fist. Ladnick take a knee our sophomore year. Someone took yes. a knee. Was it? Yes, it been broadcasting. Radley? I don't remember who it was. I don't remember. Big I think someone. Yeah, someone did. There was a big epic article. Um, I mean, it's undeniable. Literally, it, you just get that Jeff Passan notification? I did not know what happened. Boston Red Sox players have strongly considered not playing tonight's games against the Toronto Blue Jays. Wow. Okay. You also are frozen in a very unfortunate position. Yeah. Oh, now you're not. You're frozen in a very unfortunate position in the, in the uh, Instagram Live. I hope oh, it saves it. I believe it. it. I mean, not like the Boston Red Sox really come out and play any game, but um, you know that – that is, that. that is interesting. That is interesting because, you know, the Brewers, you know, obviously the, uh, the, the shooting in Kenosha is shooting, in, yeah, uh, exactly. you know, it's in their home state. And that's the same thing that Milwaukee went for, although other teams that obviously play outside. Well, yeah, it's um, obviously bigger than just Milwaukee. Yeah, but, um, you know, they said this was an important thing. This is something we felt like we need to do, but we're going to probably play tomorrow, right? That would be interesting now is – if it continues, I would imagine that the reason now the NBA has announced that they expect games to start back up by Friday or by the weekend. I imagine that they have the day off because they haven't really solidified it. Baseball, yeah. there's no talks about that. So that's big for the Boston Red Sox to be considering well, a boycott on the next day. It's all they such played a yesterday. situation. I mean, it's just yeah. like – and how, what, what the hell does the league do? If you're Adam Silver, I mean, I can't imagine Adam Silver is. I don't think there's anything you can do. 2 p.m. yesterday. I think the only thing Adam Silver well, they can do, do something. <laughs> the only thing Adam Silver can do is not punish teams that boycotted yesterday because there is a no show well, no, clause. I'm not, I'm not at all saying you punish them, yeah. but like you gotta address this. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, do. What do you What do you do? You just show up to the next set of games. And you're like, all right, what's up, guys? Like, nothing to see here. Adam um, Silver's not in the bubble, right? I don't. I don't think he's in the bubble. Probably um, not. He's probably. Yeah. yeah no, I got can't, more I'm important things to do, bubble. like making sure his league doesn't catch fire and watch basketball. Um, but I mean, like, I literally, how do you handle this? There's, just, there's never been anything like this. And we were talking about this earlier. It's like, you know, if the, and if the players association comes out and says like, we're not playing until you do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. How, what's the response? Well, that's the tough part because like, there is nothing that can be done absolutely immediately, right? No. Like, and that is not to discourage doing anything. No. And that's a that's important point that Jake that, brought up a bunch. Important point that Jake brought up. You know, civil. We are very far removed at point in terms of a generation from the civil rights movement, but we're only fifty years out. Yeah, almost sixty years. That is not that much time, right? Like. But what we have learned is that change doesn't happen overnight, regardless of legislature and all that. But we've already seen some of the impacts, right? Because like we talked about with broadcasters, we're talking about it, right? That's a start in of itself. Yeah. Now, on top of that, you know, if you were watching uh, uh, NBA TV yesterday, like 
that was the only thing that, w- that they were talking about when the game was canceled. Instead of there being a playoff game between the reigning MVP and soon to be the two-time MVP, defensive player of the year, Giannis Antetokounmpo, going we'll for – Yeah, like they were talking about that. That was it. And, you know, Chris Webber had great things to say. Um, Robert Horry said great things later in the day. And that was the whole I forget thing. who it was. I was literally trying to find this clip. It, was, it wasn't Robert Horry. It was, some, it was someone on NBA TV. In a, it's Jim Jackson. Jim Jackson. I'll have to look up the, Was it the analyst? I'm not exactly oh, sure. Oh, was he was. in studio or was he at the game? No, he was, he was like at his home or something. I think it was uh, – like Calling in. No, um, it wasn't Jim Jackson. I don't know who it was. I'll have to figure it out. Whoever, if you, whoever it was, if they're watching this live stream, uh, I'm sorry. I think it was Sam Cassell. It wasn't Sam Cassell. It definitely was no. not ET. But I mean, IT. No, ET. You ever heard seen Sam Cassell look like ET? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who the hell is ET? Etwan Moore. That's so mean. E. That's so mean. It looks like ET. <laughs> He does really look like E.T., though. Sorry, Sam Cassell. Um, Sam Cassell but he was, was talking about having a military past and all that, right? Yes, that, yes, exactly. Yep. I thought now that was frozen again. Commentary. You're the one's frozen. What do you mean? No, no, no. no. Now we're good. No, you're still frozen, bro. Are you frozen on the Zoom call? No, I'm not frozen doing? on mine either. Huh. Hmm. Anyways. Um, so what were you saying? Just the, the that commentary from the guy who was talking about how he had like a military past was just talking about like the fact that it's gener- it's generational. And it's like, you know, he was talking about like he's giving his kids the same talk that his dad gave him about like how to interact with the police and not like get shot. Talking about like when he's in the car, he puts his wallet on the center console so he doesn't have to like reach into his pocket. Like mm-hmm. that, it's it, it, it's yeah. ridiculous. Like literally years and years, a hundred, a hundred years of this. Yeah. And I, and I, you saw the Dom Smith post-game interview. I was, it was hard to watch, man. Literally. It was heartbreaking. Like this like, guy's up there just in tears. Yeah. I think these lines like, it's just crazy that people still don't care. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's unbelievable. It's like something that you and I can't necessarily relate to. Not necessarily. We can't relate to it. Yeah, you see these people just like bearing their soul. I mean, the Dom Smith. If you haven't seen the Dom Smith interview, go watch it. It's like bring some tissues. It's hard to watch. Yeah, and he had a you know uh, Steve Gallops was uh, the the sideline reporter or the uh, you know the third member of the crew for um, or fourth I should say if Keith is there um, for SNY. Um, you know he was doing interview pieces, um, and the whole hiatus, and he had one with Dom about racism in America. And that was a good piece too. I think it's on YouTube. You can watch it free. Like this shit is tough, man. Like, and like, you know, as two white dudes from Manhattan and Brooklyn and Long Island, it's the city from Brooklyn and New York and Long Island, like, like respectively, like who the hell are we to talk about this? You know, like we, it's hard for us too, because it's, it's, it's an uncomfortable conversation that we need to have. And, you know, it shouldn't be an uncomfortable conversation if you're not racist. Yeah. Um, But you know, it's important. Actually, it's not quite, I don't know if I'd quite say that it's it's an uncomfortable conversation because it's, it's like, it's ugly. It's a very, it's not a nice topic to talk about. Like it's no, 
but it is the truth. And it's like, we, I mean, we would much rather be talking about, you know, why the Rockets uh, switching on everything against Chris Paul isn't working right yeah. now, but that's not, that's not what the main topic of conversation has to be no. right now. And I mean, I think, you know, it was really interesting to hear Jake talk about it. You know, as a national host, he said it himself, he's like, you can't just stick to sports. Yeah. You it's, can't. Like, I, it's such a frustrating point. It's like, Oh, your sports are supposed to be a release. Like, I don't want to hear about this. It's like, you're just ignoring no. the issue. Like you are just yeah. blatantly ignoring it. If that's the case, you want to, you want to like get away from that stuff, watch a movie or something, watch right? Like, cause go, you can't go to the beach and throw your phone in the ocean. Like, because to be able to have a release from it is a privilege in of itself. Yeah. Right. Like there are some people that like, there is no escaping this and that's the way it should be there sh we should be surrounded by this conversation until we get to a point where we don't need to have it anymore and it's that's gonna be really, a long time <laughs> that's going to be a long damn time but we might as well start now right exactly. like that was the yes it's a, it's a generational change it's not something that happens overnight but like you said that's you can't let that be an excuse to not to not make the effort mm -hmm. and to not i mean it's a step you gotta it starts somewhere mm -hmm. and Oh, good, uh, good point. Your, your friend Noah in the, in the group chat on Instagram live here. Nolan. People who try to ignore these issues, Nolan, sorry. People who try to ignore these issues through the lens of sports is like watching TV during a tornado. You're absolutely right. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Thank you, Nolan. <laughs> um, so let's, let's move forward on this. Where do we go from here, right? The owners have already donated $300 million over the next 10 years. Yeah. It's a lot of money. A lot of but, money. But each owner is worth multiple billions, some of them. Steve Ballmer is worth tens of billions of dollars, yeah. right? I don't know how the exact number in front of me, and I don't want to play that game where I'm like, oh, their net worth is this and this. They should be donating X amount. But over 10 years, 300 million, when you still have owners that, you and look, know, it's not like, insignificant. It is no, like, just because it's, it's not sure a lot of money for them. If the way, where the money is going, it's a significant amount of money. Yeah, absolutely is. You know, when you're like, what can they do more? Um, I, I saw there was a, the, the timeline was really coming for Chris Mannix. It was a Yahoo sports right. uh, reporter, I think. Um, really like his stuff, but you know, he was like, what more can these owners do? And it's like, these guys have a lot of political pull. Like these are some of the most influential people. Like they, they have, have <laughs> they have lots of clout and you know, they, you know, they have the power. They got to do this. And I mean, yeah. Speaking of clout, are those mine? No. I'm sure. From sophomore year. I've had these. Um, okay. Um, cloud goggles and it's like i mean you look at like you know the uh betsy devos the uh the secretary of education her brother-in-law i think is the yeah, magic chairman yeah so it's like i think we're thinking of the exact same tweet where they like released a statement about racial injustice and so on yeah like, god i wonder if you like your family knows anyone in a position of power that's that's crazy yeah right it would be <laughs> crazy right or to just be like completely reversing like years of work in title nine uh you know help for survivors on college campuses right like there are people that can do stuff yeah. do i have all the answers does ben have all the answers does really anyone have all the answers no, no. but you know it starts with you know like uh jason concepcion from uh from the ringer who has his fantastic uh desktop i don't know if you watch it 
Not as much as Hilarious. I should, honestly. I like desktop. Though. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Not as much as I should. But, you know, like tweeting out some articles where it's like, you know, there are owners that like host like like police union stuff and like support unions and and things. And, you know, I, no, I don't want to get into the defund the police conversation right now. I don't think that's the, the point of our show right now. But it's the whole like money helps. But, you know, where are you putting money to, right? Like, yeah. it has to be in a throwing place money where it's going to help. Throwing money is not necessarily a solution. Yeah. It you can't just throw money. It. It's got to be for reform, right? Yeah. Because I you, – you can't look at someone that is complaining about – you know, you, you can't look at a black person in America and tell them that they're going to be okay because, you know, they're, they're throwing money at people. And these owners are already doing all they can, which we know it's not all they can. You yeah. can't say that to well, them. Something else you got to consider is like, how much do some of these owners care? Like, we have no clue. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, like, I don't think, I really don't think Betsy DeVos's brother-in-law cares that Probably much. Probably not. Right? Like, like, I, Betsy DeVos with, is with the, with the massive, yeah, agreed. With the massive caveat that I don't personally know a single NBA owner. You're right. I don't. Um, but I, I also know you, that he donated, I saw online he donated three and a half thousand dollars to Trump. Right, like, I don't think he's a big fan of uh, Black Lives Matter. Probably not. No, if I if I could go likelihood is here and guess. likelihood is he is not. Um, again, like you can't you can't say owners are doing everything they can because they're throwing what is a very large amount of money, and then look at two separate videos from Kenosha from the same police department. One where a man who was just getting in his car and has done nothing wrong regardless of what his past is and get shot seven well, no, times was, and the thing the thing you gotta remember is he was literally resisting arrest like that's not yeah. up for debate yeah. he should no. have been shot seven times in the back but yeah. like he was literally resisting arrest like, well that the whole thing was there was a video of a white man also resisting arrest from the same department and running around right. and attacking attacking a police officer that is why there were no NBA games yesterday, right? Because they are not treated the same. Not to mention, and Jacob Blake literally went over state lines with a rifle after killing two people, walking yeah. through a police line. Yep. It's like, and nothing was done. He literally he was, walking around with a gun. Right? right. And then the, the police. Kenosha Police Department, the, the, the police chief comes out and says, you know, if he had just obeyed curfew, it would have been fine. Oh, because that was what? the issue. That was obviously. Guess what? Guess what, jackass? The other guy wasn't obeying curfew too, right? It, it, it belongs to everyone. So This is why there weren't any NBA games. It's the this hypocrisy. is why there were no NBA games yesterday. This is why Kyrie Irving did not want to go to the bubble because they thought it would be a distraction. Now, I agree with what Jay Geisman said in the interview. I, I think you said you agree too where I think the biggest platform for the NBA is to keep playing. Yes. And, you know, the boycott clearly worked because we're all talking about it again in a more ramped up way. And there are going to be changes because the Lakers and Clippers last night said they want to shut down the season. And that wasn't a final vote. That nice. was them. That was LeBron and Kawhi. And Kawhi, who is not a very outspoken person that we know. Not publicly, that, no. Not, not publicly. Right, right. That was them saying this shit isn't worth it. We're not playing this until whatever changes they want happens, until owners do more or whatever. And they walked out of the meeting, right? That's a negotiation tactic. Reportedly led here. by LeBron. Like LeBron yeah. walked out and everyone followed him. 
Yeah, and Udonis Haslam, LeBron knows. Who's still Le- in the league. Literally every time I see Udonis Shout Haslam. out, shout out. Uh, literally, shout I saw that, that tweet and I was like, wait, wait, wait. Like, he's still around? Holy shit. Dude, he's never going to retire. No. Well, he's going he's gonna to be like an assistant coach. Is he like the self-appointed sexiest man in the NBA? Didn't he call himself that? I could have sworn that was a thing. Like, he was like on like a podcast with D. Wade. And he like, I might be completely making this up. I could have sworn I saw that he like self-appointed himself the sexiest man in the league. All right. Well, if you say Good so. Good for you, D. Good for you, D. Um, but um, like, you know, LeBron knows what pull he has, right? Yeah. Kawhi might not be an outspoken leader of the league, but he is a top five player but in the league. I've got to imagine Kawhi probably has a lot of respect amongst NBA players for his just kind of like yeah. all ball, no nonsense attitude. Like he's not about yeah. – the glitz and the glamour and the celebrity life he's the guy i mean there's no reason to not like him exactly like as a person there's no reason i mean i i kind of have a reason but you know that's him as a basketball player i i you know as whatever i also don't know him um but like you know they know the pull they have and that's kind of a negotiation tactic to kind of get the ball rolling because if they're like all right tactic what more than kind of it and it is yeah it is it's a negotiation play well, what I mean by saying it's kind of one is like the season was never going to end last night, right? It, they had a possibility it was going to end this morning at 11 a.m. where they had the NBA uh, uh, Board of Governors meeting and then they had the players only meeting. Right. Um, but, you know, this, this is something that was talked seriously and the owners have to be careful. They got to they got to. I think there's a meeting set up for later today that's going to be happening during our show where yeah. um, they're going to be. A lot of owners are, <laughs> yeah, a lot of meetings set up. Uh, owners talking with players just about what they player, want. Are you about the one that's like two players per team, that one? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be two players per team. Uh, the season is season's walking on a, uh, on a fine line here. Well, I, I we think they finish we, it. I think but, we haven't even mentioned this point. The season is currently like – will likely continue is yep. the current sentiment from Woj. Like that is what has been reported as up-to-date as we can be is that the season is expected to be completed. They won't be playing any games today, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just like, again, like where do, where do they go from here? That's like, the million-dollar question. It's the trillion-dollar question. I mean, yeah. The, at some, something is going to – I would have to assume at some point we're going to see – some sort of statement from the players association kind of explaining themselves and explaining what it is they want and what they're, what they're angling for, like what their whole, what their point was in this strike. I think technically it is a strike, not a boycott. Yeah. I was reading about that. It's about like withholding labor, not your money. Mm-hmm. And semantics, but yeah. And it's just it's like, you, sh- you try to wrap your head around it. And I'm just like, I have absolutely no clue. Honestly, like, regardless of how this continues to go like utmost respect for the players right like the bucks um say all you want about bucks magic being over right that series was over but they went out there ready to forfeit that game they they went out there knowing we're not going to go out and it's going to be a 3-2 series and we don't play our best basketball two nights like two games in a row and we go home yeah they already lost once right like could happen again. Everyone has night like off nights. Like I got, I got a hard question for you. Hit me. This is, let's say we're in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. You think it still happens? Honest to God, do you think it still happens? I think so. You think so? Like, 
I mean, look, it's conference finals at that point, but don't forget that don't forget like Raptors Celtics. They were talking about this. They're already in the semifinals. Yeah. Like that's one round removed. And like, look, there was a lot of concern with these players coming in that this was going to take away from the issue. Like I don't like, they know the power they have, especially in this bubble. And I, this certainly something they have to consider when they were thinking about if they were going to end their season over, you know, CBA ramifications, there would be a lockout next season. If they didn't finish the season, still possible if they don't finish it. And so many other things would go wrong. And that uh, something that Woj tweeted out was like players decided they were going to finish the season one, because they feel like they can still have a big platform. And two, because, you know, let's be real too. A lot of this was players just like very fed up with the bubble, right? Like it is not, yeah. I get I mean, it. They're being paid a lot Paul of money. Post game interview yeah. the other day. Yeah. And also, I'll say, fuck Rajah Bell, honestly. You saw what he said on his podcast. So. He was like, he was like, nobody I, I, I gives a shit. I'm up to date on Rajah Bell's podcast. Oh, I saw it because it popped up. He has a podcast for The Ringer which is the ringer usually does a very good job of getting out good content. Raja Bell was like, like, like Paul George, nobody wants to hear that shit. Like keep that shit to yourself. I guess like, I just saying the same thing. Charles, Charles Barkley. Barkley. Yeah. Okay. Well, and fuck Every Charles Barkley show. too. Yeah. Fuck Charles Barkley too. Like, you know, like, like again, this is like, like this man is coming out and saying like, he's feeling very anxious. He's just depressed. Like in a, in a, in a bad spot in the bubble. Like, yeah. Like that's the not ball e- that like, takes to come out and say something like yeah. that. That like that is not easy. Like there's a reason people don't go to therapy, right? Because yeah. they're embarrassed, they're afraid, this or that, whatever. Like there's a big difference between going to therapy and doing an interview on <laughs> national TV saying you're right? depressed and anxious. Like holy shit. And like, and look, like, like in, Paul in, George, unless your therapist is like telling the national media about your fucking mental yeah. illness, which I don't which think I, it that's, is. That's illegal. It's also that illegal too. Very illegal. Yeah. Like. Like, look, this this would not have changed my like like the respect I have for him to come out and say this to start. But if Paul George, you know, after game, excuse me, game three or game four, or whatever, when he struggled, he had said like, you know, I'm in a dark place or whatever. He would have been like, oh, he's using it as an excuse. Again, I'm not saying that. Yeah, people would have used it. This man came out and dropped like 35, and they hung like a 150 piece yeah. on the Mavs, and he was like, yeah. Like I'm depressed. Like these guys are spending like four months away from their family. Like, this shit is not easy. And like that's something I keep thinking about too, in terms of like you know continuing the season. Like these players have done a fucking lot to get yeah. into this bubble and to make this happen. Like they have made some sacrifices. Yeah, and have put themselves in some really tough positions. And so it's like when you think about whether or not the season will continue, I'm sure something on the players' minds is like, you know, we worked so hard to get to this point. Like, are you prepared to literally? Yeah, well, that's what that's what Woj said. Yeah, like, are you ready to to literally? I'm not like you're throwing it away for nothing, but the mm-hmm. the testing, the quarantining, the being away from your families, the dedication, the sat- everything this they've done to get this far. You're in the playoffs, and things. Are you really Sorry, gonna finish. Are you really gonna scrap it? Yeah, and, and I I don't I I would imagine that's probably a, a point of debate. And also remember at a point where things will start to get easier, right? Because as more people leave the bubble when they're eliminated family members start coming in so you can have your wife or significant other or kids or whatever. And like, like you saw that video, right. Of Kyrie, of, uh, of Kyle Lowry getting interviewed, uh, getting introduced by his kids um, where like his kids were yelling, like, like the, the smile on his face, like you can tell, like he was hyped. He loved it. 
like and like you gotta imagine like someone has Kyle Lowry like I don't know if his kids are going to the bubble but like like you're used to seeing your kids like every day and like in a very like taxing profession you know like everyone you know everyone that works has to spend some time away from their kids yeah but like these professional athletes I mean yeah don't like they're used to it but the fact that they haven't been able to do it for months on end in a very stressful time like that's why like anyone that opts out like yeah. no like no oh, shame but like exactly. that's gonna that's gonna give players a boost yeah i mean, it's just I, I think i think it was like the suns had the same thing where like they had they did like one of their like seating yeah games they yeah. had uh, instead of like the virtual fans it was like all like the players like families and kids and stuff and mm-hmm. I mean, yeah i mean it's 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 awesome honestly it's, yeah you know, so definitely file out under things you love to see absolutely um all right are we ready to move to basketball you got any other big points you want to make? I think I'm good. I mean, we're gonna have we're gonna I'm have to sure wait to we'll see. Come right back to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm uh, gonna have to wait to see what ends up happening. Yeah. As of right now, it looks like the season will continue again tomorrow or over the weekend. But yeah, honestly, who knows? Um, before we get into the like crux of the action, a little bit of roulette going on. It happens every year, but pretty interesting names in there. Brett Brown got fired from the 76ers. Which, we talked about this last episode. Last time. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. It's, like, it's putting a Band-Aid over a bullet wound. Um, it's putting a Band-Aid over a bullet wound, but it's also like it, – it, it, we've seen this exact story before. Take the names out of it. Talented team, high expectations, you know, have some good success, make it to the playoffs, first round, second round, maybe a conference finals, but you can't get over the hump. And you're constantly, you know, a tier, maybe two tiers below those like elite championship level teams. Mm-hmm. You you change up the head coach. You got to try something. No, it happened with Dwayne Casey in Toronto. That's the exactly. most like that's, Dwayne that's Casey the example. Had an even better run than I. Yeah, I, we could debate it. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think Dwayne. Yeah, he Casey had a better was, run. Was having a better yeah. time than Brett. Brown. I mean, yeah, conference championships. I mean, yeah, well, exactly. almost conference. It got to the conference championships. Got to the conference championships and then got um, <clears throat> babied. But yeah constantly by lebron and look i mean like there were like some you know there were there were certain parts about what brett brown was doing on offense like his schemes that just weren't working and he, like but lack of coaching have like 17 centers yeah right and but that's why i'm saying like firing him does not change the fact that you know your your second worst contract is the al horford one which is a terrible contract and he plays the same position as your best player right yeah. like again Band-aid over a bullet wound. I, uh, but Sixers, we, I do not envy the Sixers. No. Not a, not a good that, – that's a really tough spot to be in, man. Yeah. Like, that's um, – like, I mean, yeah, like, you're a winning team. You're making the playoffs. But, like, do you really want to be that team that's, like, first, second-round exit every year? Because it's, it's, well, it's just kind of you're, being, you're on a treadmill at that point. It's literally, like, just being stuck in just the purgatory. It, it, that's the worst you, spot well, to be. Okay. That's, like – they're not stuck in purgatory. You, you want to know an NBA franchise that's stuck in purgatory? No, no, no. The Knicks are not stuck in purgatory because you guys have been stuck in the basement. You guys, are, you guys aren't in purgatory. You're just in hell. Like, you guys have sucked for so long. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. Like, being stuck in purgatory, I'm talking about, watch like – play in the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. That's got to be nice, at least. Even it though, is fun, honestly. Even though, you know, he is being overhyped right now. And, like, let's be real, he's just not an efficient scorer anymore. No, not at all. It's Although the- he does – he has proved he belongs in that, the league. That, like, dagger three he hit in game one, I think, against L.A. Oh, my God. Stratton and I were going batshit. <laughs> oh, my God. 
I, I can't talk about this without being like incredibly inappropriate. Um, what? Like, we won't talk about being stuck in purgatory. Like this is like prime example was like the Atlanta Hawks, like without Horford on there, Paul Millsap, like always like a top player three of the month Atlanta Hawks. Those Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. Player of the Hawk, player of the month, Atlanta Hawks, like always top three seeds. So always losing first, second round. Indiana Pacers, not like, honestly, no, the perfect example of being stuck in purgatory, right? Nate McMillan just got fired 183, 116. That was his regular season record. Pretty good. But very good. But then in the playoffs, three and 16 swept in three of the last four first round series. And he's lost nine consecutive playoff games. Now, again, you got to look at, you can't just look at it in a vacuum, right? This season, no Sabonis and Oladipo's a shell of himself. Last season, himself no Oladipo. He's coming back from a major yeah. injury. Last season, no Oladipo, who was the best player. Two seasons, uh, yeah, two seasons ago, remember, they took the Cavs to seven in the first round. They lost by like a combined 14 points, I think, in seven games. Yeah. Yeah, and then like the, there was that goaltend. There was that goaltend on Oladipo. They didn't get called oh, in game seven. Right? Wow, like, like you're that close to eliminating like the Cavs. Like yeah. he wasn't a bad coach. Although I will say, and like they, they did say it on the low post with him and Jeff Van Gundy were on it. They were talking about I how the Van rumors Gundy. what? I love Van Gundy. I love it. Um I do like Stan better though. That's a debate, honestly. That's as an analyst, I don't think there's any debate. Well, I just mean like as a personality. I, okay, think, as like, a personality is a little analyst. Um I do love the meme Not where it's just like anytime because Stan Van Gundy every day tweets out like social justice things and yeah. like it's and like every time under the comments there's always like a meme of him with just like the uh like explicit content. It looks like he's just releasing an album. It's hilarious. We'll post it on our Twitter later. Yeah. Anyway. At two four sports. On Twitter, um, like we were, uh, um, like they, like they were talking about, like this this has been a rumor all season long. Where like this might be it for McMillan because yeah. you know I don't have exact numbers in front of them, but they were saying like too large of a percentage was mid range shots and like we're not following analytics, like not a very modern offense, and like like Indiana's a grit and grind defensive team, right? They're not going to yeah. kill you in transition or anything been, like, like that. Their identity, yeah, they're they're, they're a good half court team. But you think about, like, especially this season. This was unfair. And I, I'm going to transition into a question for okay. you on this. Um, uh, if you're looking Should at I the numbers. Notes? What? Can I be taking notes? No, this is all in the document that is shared with you, Ben. Cool. <laughs> um, their expected starting lineup coming into this season. Good starting lineup of Brogdon, Oladipo, TJ Warren, Sabonis, and Turner. That's a good team. That's a top five seed in the East, which is what they were. And that's like a – should make it into the second round team. They played a combined 86 minutes together this season, right? Because of various injuries. Yeah. So the question becomes, um, this is something I heard on the Bill Simmons podcast. That was really interesting for the Sixers and the Pacers. Are these situations similar? Do you run things back because of injuries? Cause you didn't have Ben Simmons if you're the Sixers, right? Or I don't think they're similar. Do you try all. to blow it up? I think the difference for me the way I see it is the issue for the Pacers was a mix of injuries and just pure, not quite as talented as other teams in the East. Mm -hmm. And I, you look at that playoff record for McMillan, like, you know, it, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It kind of is like, yeah, on one hand, they did took the Cavs to seven games, got a little bit unlucky in some situations, like could have 
you know, got, got basically got, you know, I don't want to say got unlucky because you got to be good. You know, you, you make your own luck to a certain degree. Yeah. But it's like, you, you, know, you also have to look at the fact that like they did lose. Nate McMillan did go three and 16 in the playoffs. And so it's mm-hmm. That's a tw- 20, ga- 20 playoff games is not a small sample size. 19. I'm rounding up. 19 playoff games is not a small sample no, size. You're right. At a certain it's point, not. you got to say, well, all right, shit, this isn't yeah. working. You, yeah. You've lost 16 playoff games and won three. Like, something's not working. With Philly, I think it's a roster issue. And that's what we were talking about so much in the last show. Where it's like, I'm, because we've been having the conversation for a good two, three seasons now. It's like, can Joe Allen Bede and Ben Simmons play together? Yeah, they, they both have their share of injury issues. But it's like, even when they are perfectly healthy, we don't. I personally am not convinced that they can coincide together and be a championship contending team. Hey man, don't forget. They are like, they're like four bounces. Is not a six an issue for the Sixers. Ben, they are four like unlucky bounces away from a Kawhi Leonard shot from making into the finals. Like they were there. They were there. I don't think, I I think last season. What? Did they get there? No, they didn't. But I think the biggest issue Presently, I don't. You know, I think the 76ers can make a roster around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. It might not be a perfect fit, and it might be a lot harder to make a roster around them. And there's a much smaller margin of error. I I concede all of that. I understand. But Nolan is it, clearly not a big fan of Elton Brand's uh, roster building skills. I don't blame him. I mean, couldn't construct a roster that plays well together. They chose from the All NBA teams. I th- like think about this though, Nolan. I'll ask you, and I'll ask Ben. Like. Last season, Jimmy Butler is not the perfect fit for them, right? Because he can't really shoot threes, but he gets to the line. And at least if Jimmy Butler is driving and stuff, you have Joel Embiid to space it. Again, Ben Simmons needs to shoot. I want Joel Embiid to be your floor spacer, though. Yeah. But, and also, Ben Simmons needs to shoot the fucking ball. Like, it's as My issue as with the Sixers is I just don't think you can be a title contender when your two best players can. But they were. They showed that they, they were basically a title contender last season. The problem was – One time they, in three years does not make you a title contender. Well, they literally did almost contend for a title last season. They were one shot away I mean, from like contending a for consist- a title. I mean, the Sixers are, have been trying well, to be, like, a consistent top-tier contender. Well, I mean, look, if they don't like uh, trading for Tobias Harris last season and giving up a treasure chest, considering he was becoming, he was going to become a free agent was stupid. Resigning him to a huge deal and not resigning Jimmy Butler and not resigning JJ Redick, who like, what do you, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid? You want floor spacers, right? You need, probably need one or two more ball handlers. JJ Redick can do some of that, but he's, but you're, you know, he's probably you, the you're best, counting on JJ Redick to be a, like a ball handler for you, you've got issues. Okay, but he's a very good floor spacer, and that's the main reason you're bringing him in. Like, you didn't bring in, you didn't retain Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick, which you know worked last season, and you brought in Tobias Harris, aka I've never made a playoff, uh, uh, an All Star game before, and then Al Horford, who plays the same position as your starting center. If everything had gone perfectly, it could have worked, but guess what? It didn't because he didn't have a very good head coach, and Elton Brand is way over his head. I mean, I, I just don't think you can – like, yeah, you're right, 100%. They literally came within a, one of the – you know, an iconic shot of making mm-hmm. the finals. But I, I feel – I look at that and I say that was – I feel like that was the peak for them. That was, like, literally the best-case scenario, and it didn't happen. And it's like – I do you think – in a vacuum, do you think Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons can be the two best players on an NBA championship team? Yes. 
Yes, but the margin of error is a lot smaller. It's a I lot smaller. You, you look, I no knock on either of their games. They're both two of the better, two very good players, mm-hmm. but they're, they just don't fit. And mm-hmm. I think they're both so talented that you, I would probably build around Embiid more than I'd build around Simmons. Yep. You can get a haul for either of those guys. A very interesting trade, which we can talk about as we go more into the offseason, just because we do have a lot to hit on. Uh, Kevin O'Connor, all season long, has been saying, acquire Chris Paul. Smart player, floor general, can shoot well and play well. They already have so much. They have so many cap issues already. Oh, we got poor connection here. I can can hear you on the Zoom. Yeah. I'm all frozen. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I think, all right, let's say you trade Ben Simmons, right? I think it's you. No, I'm technical difficulties. Can you hear me or no? I can hear you on Zoom. Yeah, it's not going on live. Oh, yeah, you're frozen. Hmm. There we go. There we go. I'll go now. Yep. Okay. Right. Sorry, about, Sorry that. about that. If you're if you're the Sixers, you trade Ben Simmons. Uh-huh. You're probably taking a loss talent-wise, just like from, mm-hmm. you know, if you can like, you know, quantify talent and put it in like a raw number. But we've seen it. It's like the best teams, look at the Raptors this year. The best teams play greater than the sum of their parts. The Sixers play as less than the sum of their parts because their roster is just so poorly constructed. Yeah. I, I, I still do think that they can coexist as the two best options on a championship team that they're literally one shot away and they lost to the NBA champions. Yep. I think if they had run it back this season, they could have been title contenders. I, they, they just fucked that up so badly. Like Sam Hinkie, my God. Um, Is he? I was just, Oh no, I was just reading stuff about him. Just like it was being basically a cult that follows him, um, which is true. Um, I just like, they, they could have, I think they could have done damage. Um, let's just real quick touch on the other ones. Um, I do just want to get right, get right to what you want to talk about here. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Um, I'm just going to skip over really the only one, the other one. Um, the Pacers looking at Mike D'Antoni. They want a program builder and they want a more modern offense. Wouldn't be the worst fit. No. Um, the one I want to talk about, uh, the Nets are going to go after – Greg Popovich. I am like very surprised how heavily you've bought into this already. Honestly, it's not that I've bought into it, but it is like, like you have to, at least you got to think about it. Like, because like the nets have for a while, they've, they've said they wanted pop like this is not a new thing there's a lot every team in the league wants pop but there are a lot of there are a lot of popovich disciples on the nets you talk about the gm sean marks you tell about Jacques vaughn who's also from the pop coaching tree and i think they have two or three other assistants Mm -hmm. that all coached in san antonio like the the connection is there kd loves uh greg popovich um apparently when they were uh when they were hiring um uh scott brooks like when they were looking at in 2015, like a coaching change or whatever, like Popovich was one of the names that came up mm-hmm. at this point. Like I, you at least got to think about it if you're the Spurs, because look, if doc rivers, I never thought I'd hear you say this. This is remarkable. I, I don't, I, I, don't think, this. I don't think you should. I don't think it'll happen, 
But like, if the Nets come out and they're like, we'll trade you three first round picks and like, we'll trade you three first round picks. We'll trade you like Spencer Dinwiddie and, 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 and Pop says yes. Like, what do you do if you're the Spurs? Like three first round picks? Three they have is a lot. <laughs> that is, that is a take. lot. Like, you, you'd be foolish to not at least I mean, think about it. What's the, what's the market rate for the best NBA coach of all time? Well, uh, well it, it, you're going to laugh. I know I already talked to you about this, but I, I did DM uh, I DM'd Bobby Marks, <laughs> yeah. who works for ESPN. He's like a cap insider and all that. I had seen this uh, – um, someone from Spurs Twitter had, uh, had DM'd him and uh, asked him, like, what the return was for a coach. Look, Doc Rivers got – a first for him, right? And this, yeah. you'd blow that out of the water. Um, oh, and that's yeah. got two second rounders for Jason Kidd, who was a bad head coach. Like, you, you're thinking like minimum they get two first rounders and, the, and like a good player. It's got to be super favorable that, I, for the Spurs. Levert, maybe? Yeah. I mean, if they don't think he can play with, know, uh, with, uh, is with probably KD. Your, Levert's your best non-Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving player. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, not, not particularly close. Either. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you're more than willing to give up Karis LeVert to have Pop coaching KD and Kyrie together. Like, Absolutely. And that's a, that is a title contending team. That's, that's not like it, – it wouldn't be – like I don't know what scenario the Nets don't say yes. Like three first might be a little steep. Um, because you know the way that Kyrie and KD can be if shit doesn't okay. work out it's after two the, years. Uh, live video, I think. Yeah, live is, is toast. We'll live start it back happen. up in the yeah. next hour. Right. But I'm just going to quit out of this. Um, you know, uh, like, all right, just, just thinking about, like, you know, things don't work out in two years, like, they might want to leave. Well, yeah, it's not like I feel. So like, you got to be, you got to be careful of that. And it's like, a huge, it's a huge all-in to go to go swing this trade for Pop. Yeah, I don't know what is going to happen with KD and his return from the Achilles injury. I mean, like obviously the Nets have been. Well, I'm not going to say obviously it's Kevin Durant. That's are probably in touch with Kevin Durant about his progress on his return. I would hope so. You would hope so. I mean, can you imagine a team like not being aware of like the superstars rehab progress can you imagine you know you know why i can't imagine it because you know as much as the spurs tried to be in contact with Kawhi, he kind of refused to mm-hmm. uncle so. dennis uncle freaking dennis man continue what you were saying i i i just don't think i i think it's, you at it, least have to entertain all it in. I, it is like <laughs> yeah. to the middle you're like we are winning a title in the next two years and like you better do it because <laughs> if that you know if they're there for Katie and Kyrie there for another three seasons. You got to make something happen. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, <laughs> let's, let's just wrap here, this. Man. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, yeah of course. No problem. Um, let's Friend just wrap pop. this up. Cause we want to move on to the action. Like yeah. final thoughts on pop in the Nets. I don't think it happens. I think the Spurs have every right to make the asking price. You know, it, it, it literally have to be the Godfather offer. Like, yep. It would have to be like the most absurd. I, it would probably have to look like the Paul George trade, honestly. Yeah. Like multiple firsts, talented players. Like, I don't think it happens. I don't think the Nets have the assets to do it. And I think no. the Nets have uh, learned their lesson. I had different ownership, but the Nets have probably learned their lesson about making absurd trades trying to go yeah. all in. 
You got to remember too. To be fair, and my last thought on this. Yep. I'd much rather trade for Greg Popovich than a washed up Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. You're right. I mean, the, remember that that tweet that was like, "Would you rather have like Jason Tatum or Brad Stevens?" Right? Something like that. Right. Like, yeah. Like obviously, you'd always pick the player. Yeah. But, um, you know, again, yeah, he's not washed up. You also do have to remember that Greg Popovich is basically year to year coaching. Yeah, I was literally after, read my mind. Like, there's after his wife died. Like, he he was. The, the whole thing, people thought, like, this was it. They thought he was just going to coach the Olympics, finish the season off. Well, he was kind of, like, implying, he was like, he wasn't, like, coming out and saying it, but he was kind of, like, painting that picture, wasn't he? That it was, yeah. the Olympics might be the end for him. And now who knows? Does he hold off and try to make it to the Olympics? I mean, man's, like, 72. Well, like, and, like, Pop is the type of guy who's, once he's, once he's doesn't love it anymore, I can't see him sticking around. No, why would he? Exactly you know, he, he could do a little more with his career. I think, I think he's got some more to, uh, more to fight for, you know, he really hasn't done much. I think, uh, I think he's good. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Let's, let's talk a little bit of playoffs, 10 minutes here. Uh, I'll start off Luca freaking Doncic. Oh my God. Luca oh legend, baby. Luca legend. I mean, what more can you say about him? This is a legend in the making, like more than if, in the, ma- I mean, like the legend is here. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. And I've, I've said here. this to, like, basically everyone I've talked to in the last couple of days since his Game 4 performance. I don't – I honestly don't know if there are that many more impressive performances that I've, like, personally watched. Obviously, I wasn't there. But, like, games where I, like, sat and watched the entire thing and, like, watched the whole deal unfold. I mean, like, his ankle was busted. Like, that's as bad as – it looked as bad as Frayne as it could be. He couldn't finish the game out. Our, our good friend of the show, Stratton Gervano's PT student, was like, yeah, that's like a textbook. The, the PT student. The PT student. And tech, look, he said, and all, you know, the other PT guys we're friends with said, you know, textbook high ankle sprain. Like, literally what you are taught to look for when a player sprains mm-hmm. his ankle. 48 hours later, comes out, puts up a 40-point triple-double. Hit the without game his double. number two. Without, without his, his number two. two. Hit the game-tying bucket at the end of regulation. Then hit the second longest buzzer beater in NBA history on a step back. Like just, I, other I don't understand. Game. I don't understand why the Clippers switch there. Like that makes no sense. How are you going to, how are you going to let Bobby Schmerda guard? <laughs> Doncic? Like it, it, it's really, it's confusing. That we haven't seen more Kawhi on Luca. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, it, it's no, it's no myth that if you, the more energy you spend on defense, the less you're going to have for offense. And the yeah, way that Paul George has played, they've needed Kawhi to average 32 points a game. And I think we're all forgetting, too. There's something we were really forgetting coming into the playoffs. Like, is Kawhi, like, the best playoff performer in the league right now? Statistically, like, the last four – I'm sure we've saw the same tweet. Like, you look at his numbers from the last four playoffs, he is the best playoff performer in the league. Yeah. Like, it's just not really – it's like I, – I don't have the numbers right here, but it's like – Put up like 33, 8, 6, sure. 50, 40, 90. Like, yeah. literally the best playoff performer in the league. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, finally, Paul George. Um, he breaks out. I mean, he, he broke he, out. And it was much needed. Much like, needed. It went for like 35. Just very think, efficient. I didn't think PG was going to continue playing like shit the entire playoffs. Yeah. Like, he was due for a game. And it's like, yeah, say what you will about like – Doc Rivers leaving him in there in a 
40-point game to just put up numbers. But that, honestly, I think is a great move because it's confidence. It builds his confidence. Doc Rivers has seen it all. You know, a guy who's been around the league forever. Yeah. And he clearly he could tell that Paul George needed a game like that to just go out and cook. Yeah. Like, literally just from watching him play in game five compared to the first four games, looks so much more comfortable, so much yeah. more fluid. I mean, just he needed he needed a breakout game. Sometimes it's just a funk too, because I mean, look, give credit where credit is due. Like Dorian Finney-Smith was fantastic on him up to Game Five. He was Rangers two games got postponed. The A's Rangers game. Wow. Okay. So we're seeing a big ripple um, from from yesterday, which is you know big because a lot of these we thought were just going to last. Day. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith played great on PG up to this point. Uh, Maxi Kleba has just been a non-factor on offense for them, unfortunately. Just three yeah. for twenty from three, which is disappointing because well, he is that's a good all, That's player. literally his only job is to shoot. Four, yeah, to shoot threes. Like, and but his defense individually on Paul George had been pretty good. Like Paul George is a very talented player. You're not going to come. It was, was kind of like a, a chicken or the egg. Is Maxi Kleba really locking up Paul George, or was Paul George having a rough stretch? Well, it was both. Give credit where credit is due. Maxie did play good defense on him, but there were a lot of wide-open shots that Paul George was missing. That, that, that's kind of what I'm getting at. I think I, I honestly think it was more Paul George having a rough stretch than it was Maxie Kleber being yeah. a lockdown defender because not exactly, not exactly his reputation in the league. Uh-huh. Shout out um, some of the, like the, 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 the role pieces and the other options that the Mavs had because without Porzingis, you know, a lot of the – Offense had to fall on Tim Hardaway Jr., Trey Burke, and Seth Curry. Shout out two of those three playing for the Knicks at one point. Um, uh, I mean, they've all had really good seasons. Like, look, none of them are going to light it up defensively, but at least if they can hold their own and take up, you know, I don't, I don't know what the exact stat was. I was Kevin, uh, Kevin Connors, Kevin O'Connor, Kevin Connors, Kevin O'Connor um, had a had a good uh, good video breakdown um, about Game Four on his uh his ringer youtube page about how you know there's no other ball handler on the mavs the, the most really good teams have two like big ball handlers it's just luca for them and then for the you know for the rest of it it's tim hardaway jr trey burke and seth curry and i mean give credit where credit is due like they are catching the ball they are shooting the three and they're hitting their shots that's really luca's all you need the way he is like you only need you don't need a whole lot more in the way yeah. of ball handling yeah and Hey, Nolan, say all you want saying that your, your offense is fucked if it's falling on Tim Hardaway Jr.'s shoulders, but this man's putting Tim up Hardaway 19 – a good player. Like, putting up 19 points a game, shooting 45% from the field, 39% from three with a 73% free throw percentage, which isn't great, but shooting around 40% from catch and shoot. I mean, look, we all think Tim Hardaway Jr. is garbage because he has a – big contract but that's and he was really he got painted in a bad light the Knicks yeah. signed him to a contract that he just didn't deserve at the time yeah. and he but was like, really a throw-in for Porzingis but he's played well well it was, it was to it was for cap space yeah and then you know it, but I'm looking at his contract now if this is the Tim Hardaway we get moving forward 19 20 points to get I'm just a shooter you know a guy yeah. who's there to get buckets a Lou Will type of player not comparing him to Lou Will but just like a all offense like you know you're gonna get 20 points a game on 45, 50% shooting and good percentages from deep. That's a guy I'd pay 15, 16, 17 mil a year for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, Thunder let's, Rockets. Let's, yeah, let's run through the NBA next 10 minutes because we got a lot of soccer to talk about. Um, L- Lou Dort, man. Actually, all right, yeah. I got something for you. I hit me. A, a deep cut. Do oh, you remember yeah. the uh, 
like NBA 2K Dynasty draft you, me, and Hessig did in LA? Yeah. We I played like one or two games, right? We like I think we were in like one or two seasons. I well, we didn't play that. We didn't play two seasons. Like we simmed two seasons, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, we didn't play all the way through. Uh-huh. Lou Dort, I drafted him, and he was putting up like 29 a game his first season. It was I literally took him because he was like the highest rated rookie on the board. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Lou Gans Dort, whoever the hell this is. And so now I'm just like seeing him. 29? You know, something like absurd. Yeah. <laughs> you mean uh you mean the man that's shooting five of twenty-three from three? That one, yep. Um hey, well, it's a video game. Anyway. It's it's time to praise Lou Dort though, because I ask you this, is this the most like unexpectedly interesting matchup? Of round one, Absolutely. Harden versus Dort. Who would have thought that the guy who has shut James Harden down better than anyone we've seen the last two years would be Lou Dort? I mean, what look, the, the, the knock on him coming out of college, out of Arizona State, and they do train – him and uh, James Harden both graduated from Arizona State. Yep. They trained together in the summers. Like, the knock on him was his shooting ability. And, you know, if – like his decision-making. But he was always very good defensively. That man is built like a cement truck. Like yeah, he is – He looks like a linebacker. Yeah, like, yeah, he's huge and he is quick and smart. And like, did, That's did what you, you need against – the breakdown video of him against Harden? No, I didn't, but I saw – I think it was a Kevin Connors one. The thing that kind of stood out to me the most about the way he's been defending Harden is it's none of the, like the gimmicks we've seen against – people trying to defend hard like the you, know, you you sit on his offhand you force him right you deny the step back and like you basically he's just, like, just on him he's just like chest to chest just, locked up on him and just, it's like harden just, is a big harden is so strong and like so yeah good at creating contact and then dort can literally be like chest to chest with him right there and then mm-hmm. he just like 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 a um like the bullfighters like the cape he just pulls away at the last second, throws Harden off balance, doesn't draw the foul. Harden misses the layup. Like, yeah, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're the th- if you're Billy Donovan, like, I-, I can't imagine you're sitting there before game one being like, God, like this Rockets team is really good. But thank God we've got Lou Dort <laughs> to defend James Harden. Like, <laughs> I'm sure obviously, I mean, like, you know, he's a good defender. You know what he's got. But like, you can't. I can't imagine he- you're the Thunder coaching staff are sitting there like expecting Lou Dort to be the lock on James Harden. He's literally like the problem is like when you're going to go defend James Harden, like the three things that Lou Dort does well, like you got to be able, you got to be able to do. And I know Jeremy Goldstein putting in as a joke and to try to reel me in that Frank Nilakina can lock up James Harden, but in all, in all seriousness, let's have this conversation because Frank Nilakina is a good defender on point guards. The you know who else is a very good defender? SGA. Yeah. The problem is to similar defend frame, James. Similar, similar, honestly, like yeah. Similar. I, I'm not except that one is like significantly better. Significantly better, but like SGA is like what? I, not anymore so much. But like what I thought Milikina could be. Uh huh. Um, shout out SGA. I really like watching. I him love play. him. He's, um, well, it, it's fun. Guard, it, it's so much fun watching those. This is a tangent. I'm not really related to this, but like, oh boy. it's so much fun watching those type of players who like aren't super athletic, aren't, like... Super, uh, he's very athletic. I mean, he's an NBA player. He's, like, super athletic. But not, yeah. like, jump out the gym, like... Uh-huh. I'm crazy athletic, like, for NBA standards. Yeah. But just a guy who... I mean, similar to Luca, a guy who just, like, knows how to play, knows how to change speeds, knows how yeah. to mess with So angles. long. Yeah. 
Like he's he's very long and he's a smart defender, much like Nelikina. The problem is they're not strong enough, and that's where middle linebacker Lou Dort comes in. Like he's got the strength, like he can keep up with Harden. If you're if you read uh, Zach Lowe's piece, a lot of the videos are just him just putting his chest in, right? Like keeping it in front of him yeah. and like just being able to like maneuver around screens. Like he's just refusing to be screened. I saw a lot of. Um, a lot of the numbers that I, I have some up here, like about 30, <laughs> about screens. 30, yeah, about like 30 screens a game or like 20 screens a game coming into their last game. Because again, the Rockets don't have that traditional big man anymore after trading Clint Capella. And that was what was giving the Thunder issues on defense when, when, they, when the Rockets were on defense in the first couple games was that you have like. Because they were playing Stephen Adams off the floor. Yeah. Which is exactly and Stephen Adams Rockets- is good. I mean, that was exactly what the Rockets try to do is make uh-huh. the big man irrelevant. Yeah. And if, if you're going to – like the thing with the Rockets, it, it's tough because if you're going to have a big man out there that can't shoot – that can't score from outside of the paint, he has to be able – there have to be two things, right? He has to be able to gobble up offensive rebounds, which Stephen Adams gobble can up. do. He can do, but not at the highest rate in the league, right? That's not – like, he's not the best at that. No. And you can't have other non-shooters on the court. It's just no. as simple as that because they're going to exploit it. So I mean, think about the it. Problem right? is, and think about this. Like, you can't not have Dort on the court. You can't not match him up with James Harden. No, if you, you don't, just, you've just got to tie over. up the Harden's playing time. Yeah. Like if James Harden's yeah. on the floor, Lou Dort's on the floor. It's that simple. Uh-huh. Yep. I mean, it's so, like what we were saying with Philly. Like, can an NBA team run with two non-shooters on the floor for an extended uh-huh. time? Today, well, it's I don't possible. think so. You you can against certain I mean, look what's killed, certainly look what's not against Philly the Rockets. in the playoffs so many years. His teams yeah. just play fifteen feet off Ben Simmons, there him to shoot. Same with yep. Joel Embiid. Like now, at least Joel Embiid like can hit at, at least like thirty four percent of his threes. Right, it's better than zero. I think he's like twenty eight or something. Not, not a good shooter. Anyway, um, the lineup they've gone with Chris Paul. SGA, Dennis Schroeder, that three-guard lineup, which is not really a surprise because Schroeder's been fantastic for them. Dort and then Gallinari playing as the small ball five. Gallinari is what you want your five to be. That's Shout-out, also former Nick. Um, Hey, former Nick's killing it in the playoffs is a a long story, long history there. Love it. You leave the Knicks and kill it on another team in the playoffs, and then you go to the Knicks to Marcus Morris really tying three for the Clippers. Yeah, also fuck Marcus Morris. You think that was intentional? I think that was it. Look, it didn't look good. It didn't look if, good. If you didn't, okay, for for viewers that didn't know, um, get, like Luca's ankle is messed up, and there's like an aerial shot, and then you have the rail cam shot of Marcus Morris like coming up to pressure him, which is not unheard of. But he I mean, just steps. He just steps on his ankle. Yeah, it and, like it doesn't good. look good. No, it uh, doesn't look not non intentional enough to like kind of disregard it type of thing. And it's the type of thing that like you, you'll just you never know. Yeah, no. you never know. Uh huh. But Gallo, that lineup I just said, small sample size, just eleven minutes, but plus sixteen, and that's been working for them the last I mean, couple plus of games. Minus is such like a yeah iffy stat. It's it's easy. It it's is. influenced by a lot of things that are not necessarily uh-huh. like related to the five on the floor. Like who mm-hmm. have they played those eleven minutes against? Have they been playing against scrubs? Like what you know? What's the score been in the game? It's it's yeah. I plus minus honestly kind of. Not a big no, fan. yeah, no, not a big fan, but in a small sample size, worth noting. Yeah, um, just I, I think you know because we want to get to other points. Um, I want to bring up a couple of last stats 
on the Rockets. Um, then we'll talk about Nuggets Jazz for a couple minutes because then we're going to hit Messi. Yep. Um, anything else to add about that series? You think the Rockets are in trouble? Absolutely. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> even, if Westbrook, even if Westbrook comes back? Uh, yeah, honestly. Because I think even if Westbrook comes back, he's probably playing limited minutes. And Westbrook, is, his game is predicated on his athleticism. Mm-hmm. If he can't explode the way he normally can, that takes a lot from his game. He's certainly not a shooter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been on the show here before. I got kind of ripped apart for it. But I've, I've long held the opinion that I don't think Westbrook – I don't think he moves the needle enough to turn the Rockets into a title favorite. Mm-hmm. It makes him better, yeah. But, I mean, it's the same questions we've been having about the Rockets for three years now. It's like, are they enough? Do they have enough? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so the stats I wanted to bring up were about ISO because I know this is, again, not a new conversation with us. We've literally said like the same thing over the last three years, right? Yeah. About how you hate watching Harden play basketball because he just ISOs all the time. Just and as a fan, that, yeah. I don't yeah. Does that translate into playoff basketball? I found this interesting stat from, again, everyone's got to go read that, uh, that, that Zach Lowe piece on ESPN. Really good. We'll post it. We'll post it on the page. Yeah. So – the stat was there are four teams that have cracked one point per possession on isolations in the regular season. This is from second spectrum. Fantastic on stats. And then seven already in the playoffs, the bucks pacers and jazz are about at one fifteen, right? Mm-hmm. So again, in the playoffs, a lot of times it just comes down to ISOs and just hunting mismatches because you got your best players just playing. And the problem for Houston is, with yeah your best players playing um i meant to say you have your best players just going to work the problem for houston is you trade away your center because you want to create more space for westbrook and for harden to go to work without that other creator because look daniel house isn't that bad they have other players on that team that are solid like robert covington isn't going to make offense for you guys i'm so shocked you just went straight to daniel house well no because i'm saying like these are players that have like have performed well like ben mclemore and all that they performed well but they're not gonna be the offensive creators that you need no. that's the problem because if dort is shutting down harden you know 50 percent of the time who the hell else is making you offense for you exactly not, not robert covington that's for damn sure no um well, i think part of the issue is no one else on the rockets other than westbrook is equipped yeah to be that to be that next guy mm-hmm. we'll see i mean the rockets haven't I, I think the frustrating thing if you're a rockets fan too is like They've, I, you want to talk about a team that's been, like, right there, the way we were talking about with Philly? Yeah. Houston has been right there. Yeah. Like, I think – Repeatedly come up short. Uh, I think purgatory is a pretty wide, like, like kind of space to be in because you got, like, well, the what's paces like the, that – square footage, you think? I, I, it's got to be, like, at least, like, 35 by 35, right? <laughs> like, um, I think because you have the pacers, like, at the bottom of that zone where it's, like, can make the playoffs. Like you're like, always like, oh, well, they, they can make some noise this year. But yeah. it's always like first and second round. And then you have the, the, the Houston Rockets where it's just like, you don't make it to the conference championship at least. It's a lost season. And you're like, bro, we should be making it into the finals. Right? Yeah. Um, let's talk like briefly some Nuggets Real jazz. Quick. I mean, we, we kind of covered this. In, I, literally nothing has like really changed. It's, I, I think it's all down to Jamal Murray. If the Nuggets can get the good Jamal Murray consistently, I think they can come back in the series. Yeah. I think there's an interesting ringer piece uh, where, like, should the Nuggets try to go after Ben Simmons because they need a good, like, wing defender 
um, because without Gary Harris, you know, they, they just don't have point of attack defenders and then it's killing them. Like, and like Michael Porter Jr. is a sieve defensively. Like Jamal yeah. Murray is not good defensively. Like Nikola Jokic is a good help defender and a good team defender, but not a very good individual defender. He's got tired tracks. Also, how on often him. I am. I, yeah, but that's the I'm, problem is that. Nikola Jokic's on ball defense isn't the difference, I don't think. Okay, but think about this. Like, if you have, if you can't stop people from driving into the paint, like, would you rather have Rudy Gobert on defense or Nikola Jokic? No, Gobert. Like, that's, that's the problem. I know, I know, but I'm saying, like, he's getting exposed a lot more now because they don't have those defenders on the wing. I mean, I think the that's thing you got to remember with the Nuggets, too, is like their best years are ahead of them. They've got, I, for my money, you say, of, you say that you say that, but they got so they have a lot. They have a lot of players they got to pay, and at this point, you got another issue. But like, it's it's two straight two straight years where they haven't made it to the conference finals. Where you got to look at it and be like, if they lose in the first round, they don't they're, make it. Their trajectory is going up. They're improving every year. Jokic well, is not Jokic. not if. Well, I mean, look at it. Like last season, they made it to the second round. If they lose in the first round, that is certainly not an up trajectory. Okay, fair, yeah. But just you look at, like, the talent and the skill level of their players. Uh-huh. Jokic is young. Jamal Murray is young. Michael Porter Jr. Jr. looks exactly like what they wanted when they drafted mm-hmm. him late when he fell because of his back injury. And they you know, do the Nuggets, need his defense to come up. Like, he's young. He's a rookie. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I oh. would bank on him improving defensively. Ro- not a rookie. Yeah. I'm mean, not yeah. – a young player in his first season in the NBA. Like, first mm-hmm. real season. Mm-hmm. Gary Harris, Jamal Murray – um, Jeremy Will Graham Barton. is a phenomenal move. Will Barton. Yeah. I'm buying Nugget stock is what I'm trying to say. I think they're going to be a top three team, a, a fixture at the top of the West for the next few yeah. years. I just think they might need to shake something up a little bit. Not, not hugely, not, yeah. not that big, but you got to think like Jamal Murray's contract is huge. I mean, you're, probably not, you're probably not moving Jamal Murray. No, you know, I don't know if you should try, but you need a serviceable shooting guard. And then you got to think, you got to think about where do you play MPJ? Like, where, what do you want to do with him? What do you want to do with Jeremy I mean, Grant? If you can turn MPJ into, like, at least a solid rim protector, I mean, you could run some fun well, lineups. You just, yeah, you play him at if the Jok- four. If Jokic is, or if, like, if like Jokic is off the floor, you run MPJ at the five. He, I, that, we are so far removed from that, though. Like, he's got to make, like, an I, I'm astronomical I'm kind of just spitballing here. Yeah, yeah. He's got to make an astronomical jump on defense. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a Messi little, time. Uh, Leo Messi. I mean, this is like, I'm not a huge soccer fan, but like, this is as big a story like as you could have in the world of soccer. Yep. I mean, I know where you stand on the goat debate here, but or at least the Messi versus Ronaldo debate. I mean, he's. I mean, you, you take it away here. Okay, so um, <clears throat> things have kind of been brewing a little bit on the Barcelona side for a couple of years now. Like you lose a lot of really good players. You have, you know, retirements from Puyol. PK is getting older. Sergio Busquets has been in that midfield for like 10 years at this point. Like um, Xavi retires, like Dani Alves leaves. Like these are like big names that you're losing. Neymar leaves. You don't have any replacement for him. And they have just been, again, like, like the Sixers, like this has been a, a growing bullet hole keeps getting bigger and they just keep throwing on band-aids and you, you think about like they sign um dembele to a huge deal over 100 mil 
and he's just been injured the whole time and he has, you know, commitment issues and all that. And then you sign Antonio Griezmann, who's fantastic from Atletico Madrid, and he hasn't done shit for you. And just the signings have been really bad and there hasn't been a lot of overhaul. It's been a story for a couple of years now that's like, damn, Messi is not going to finish his career here. Like there was already like, and there's basically a a long history of like top European soccer players, not, you know, they get, they can't quite keep up with like in the, in the premier league or in the la liga or wherever they're playing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they come to the U S but, well, I mean, it makes sense. Like, think about it. Like, you know how much pressure Messi has been under his whole like career. Why wouldn't you want to just, you know, like fucking retire and like be a little more relaxed. Right. Like he's yeah. most people think that he is going to finish his career in Argentina with Newell's where, where he came from. Mm-hmm. The, the team's called the old boys. Pretty sick. Nice. Um, yeah. Um, so like, it's been a rumor for a while. That's like, Messi might not finish his career in Barcelona, but is it going to be Barcelona another team to remain competitive somewhere else and then go to uh, Argentina and finish his career there? Like, who knows? And a good friend of mine from high school, Marvin, who has a uh, soccer show now, a SUNY Old Westbury, just joined. So I'm curious to see what he throws in the the chat here. But look, I mean, Barcelona really shit the bed with Messi. Like, they they did not do enough to – know keep him content like the the president for barcelona at this point has said like if it'll keep messi at barcelona he's willing to like sit like to to fucking uh to get off his spot like and just retire as the as the president Mm -hmm. like the signings haven't been good and now the real issue comes with can he go anywhere because he has a release clause but that needed to be signed by a certain date in early july i believe it was Uh uh-huh now his legal team, but thinks yeah, I was gonna that, say, is this the type yeah. of thing that he is like yeah. dead set, like you can't change it, or is this kind of yeah, like- yeah, that's, that, that's an exact. There's an exact date there. That is a free transfer if he opts out of his contract by then. The thing that happens is his legal team thinks that they're entitled to kind of an extension because the reason they picked that date is because that's after all competitions are over. So Messi mm-hmm. was probably like, all right, shit, if we. You know, if it's a fifth straight year now, yeah, this is a five straight years now they haven't won the Champions League, right? And they got embarrassed by Bayern Munich. So that date was set in place because it's like, okay, if we shit the bed again this year, leave or whatever, it'll be free free transfer, I can go wherever. His legal team thinks that should extend now to the end of this season, which would allow it to be a free transfer and he can go wherever he pleases. Obviously, it would be a lot easier. Barcelona obviously does not think that's the case. Yeah. Uh, Coleman has already come in the new manager for Barca and said, you know, like no one is safe. Like there has to be accountability, like shit that you should say. Classic new manager. manager. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no one is safe. Like PK who has been for that team for like 15 years at this point is just like, you know, if I have to leave, I got to leave, whatever. Like, you know, like there's going to be major changes. I think the most likely case is that Messi ends up going to the city. I think they, they announced it today. It was Bernardo Silver, Gabriel Jesus, Eric Garcia, and a hundred mil euros. That's, that's a, lot a lot of, of money. euros. <laughs> he's got like, he's got like a $600 million release clause or some crazy shit like that. Um, like that, that would be the offer. Um, if, cause no one wants it to turn into a legal battle because if it, oh. if they're battling over that, release date like Messi's obviously not going to play for Barcelona and um you know he's not gonna be able to go there Barcelona's not gonna be able to get anything in return it's just gonna turn ugly but you know when Zlatan came to the MLS 
um, he owned like he was a like a, a share owner in some of the teams, and that would be the offer. Really? Because yeah, because the same owner, it's like it's like an ownership group that has City and NYCFC. So, you know what happens? Does he play for City for a couple years, then come over to the MLS? Well, and that's what and, the reports have been. Yeah, that that's how they compensate a player when they just can't dish out that amount of money, which the MLS can't. Yeah. Do they make him a part owner? And I mean, look, if you think Messi was a, I mean, look, I know soccer is a lot more popular in Spain, but can you imagine Messi playing in the MLS even for a season? Can you imagine Messi playing at Yankee Stadium? Would he be the best athlete to have ever played in the Yankee Stadium? Yes, right? No. I mean. No? I don't think so. Huh. Interesting. I think so. And is Messi – it's like – it's such a different type of athleticism. Okay, so not best athlete. Best at his respective sport. I mean, are we talking like the history of Yankee Stadium or are we talking yeah. just the new Yankee Stadium? I mean, if it's the new Yankee Stadium, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, if we're talking strictly the new Yankee Stadium, probably. But if we're talking just overall Yankee Stadium. I mean, then I make it I – mean, what, 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 what do you want me to do? Compare Messi to Babe Ruth? Like – I don't know. We'll, Had, we'll send out a poll and we'll talk about it for our next, I, our next one, so we can think about it a little more. But I yeah. think so. This is this is pros, yeah. probably the greatest soccer player of all time, right? Like more like Pele, uh, who played without offsides. Like fair. <laughs> like, I don't know. What do you want me to tell you, dude? Like I, you're asking me to compare Messi to yeah. Dave Ruth. I that would be really interesting. I think he ends up going to City. Um, it makes more sense. He he's played with Pep Guardiola before. He can play with Aguero there. Yeah. Um, I I know I'm kind of talking to a wall like soccer wise. Um, Sorry. No, I, I don't. No, I don't mean to just. No, I don't mean any disrespect. But uh, it's Once. like you talking. It's like you talking about hockey to me. Although yeah. I will say I turned on the Islanders game because I saw they were in OT. I'm trying to get into hockey. I'm really trying. Style hockey is the way to do it. It's fun. I've, I've watched like parts of it, but I'm trying to, I, I figure I'll start watching the league as a whole and then I'll just attach to a team. Islanders are the easiest team for me to attach to. I live in Long Island. Go Island, baby. Um, but uh, I literally turn on the game and like a minute later they get scored on. Yeah. Like, so it might be a bad omen, honestly. I don't know. Um, got anything else on soccer or you want to wrap things up with baseball and then we'll, our real, huge mailbag. Real, real quick baseball. Okay. I mean, Another classic Jacob DeGrom start last night. Classic. Classic. 14 strikeouts. Bullpen blew it. Doesn't pick up the win. I saw something like last like uh, last 15 starts that he's like had like one run or less. Um, that he like seven of them have been no decisions, yeah. which is more than half than other players. Like it, it, he he should sue. I saw a tweet like he should he sue should the sue Mets for, for like yeah, for non support. That's hilarious. I think Heyman tweeted that. Like literally MLB. Yeah, yeah it was Heyman, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Heyman. It's so bad. I mean, uh, look, like, does it suck for Degrom? Yes, but like, do yes. pitchers wins? Do pitcher wins mean anything? No, no. But like, there's a difference between pitchers wins not meaning anything, That's, and like, yeah. you getting absolutely hung out to dry by your team every single time yeah. you step on the mound. Yeah, fourteen strikeouts of one run ball, yeah. and you don't even get the win. Yeah. Not even that you care that Degrom necessarily cares about like the win for his own record, but just like. Mm-hmm. He did yeah, yeah. more than enough to get his to have the Mets win the game. And it's hard to compare because, like, you think about like an NBA player, like 
they're fantastic and their team sucks and they lose. Like that is just like, that's your team losing. Like yeah. DeGrom, you pitch once every five, six days. And it's not even like, you're like, I don't give a shit if I'm like my record in my whole like career, my 14 year career, whatever is like 70 and 20. I don't care games. about Yeah. I just want to literally win some games. Yeah, every time I team. Yeah. Like every time I leave the fucking game, like you're just like we lose, you know, yeah. like, um, Subway Series coming up if we're able to play it. A yeah. shame DeGrom's not going to pitch against the Yankees, but I, you know, it's, he just wanted to pitch. He wanted to pitch in his the, regular spot. The Yankees spot. need to get back on track this series, big time. Yeah. Well, I, well Aaron Judge came back. Um, I don't know what the status on. Again, probably. What? I, I don't even want to think about it. He's hurt again? Potentially. I didn't see that. Yeah. Really. Jeez, man. It's, I don't, I'll I don't say, want to talk about it. It sucks. Or All I'll say is as long as, you're, you know, you're ready by the playoffs, it doesn't really matter. Exactly. You guys are going to make the playoffs. You guys are going to make the playoffs. Yes. Um, Trade some surprises. Up, man. What? Deadline's coming up. True. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. I mean, Taiwan Walker, stop the presses. Yeah. To the Blue Jays for the old PTBNL. Yeah. Love it. I mean, literally, who cares? Yeah, literally. It's, they, like, the Blue Jays needed more starting pitching. They yeah, got it. Exactly. Cool. And I think the, the dominoes will be Trevor Bauer and Mike Clevenger. Those are the two, uh, like, big names that I've seen thrown around yeah. the most. And Bauer is arguably the best pitcher in the league right now. Him or, like, Shane Bieber, probably. Yeah. Well, I saw, I think... Uh, I throw the ground out there, too, but... Yeah. Garrett Cole, man, had a stinker the other day. Yeah, not a great start for Cole. I mean, he's... I don't know. He hasn't really had his best stuff yet. First it's remarkable. Awesome. You look at, like, his starts and, like, Garrett, Garrett Cole's, like, not his best stuff is, like, a dream yeah. for 95% of the pitchers in the league. I mean, we're, we're literally holding it to, the, like, the... Uh, right, we're holding you know, it to, like, a high pitcher in baseball standard, yeah. as we should. Yeah. Like, yeah. Guy with 300-plus strikeouts a season ago. Yeah. I mean, it won his last 20 games in the last 20 28 plus, starts. Like 25. It, it was 20. No, 28 games. It was 20 straight in the regular season. Yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just very curious to see how aggressive teams are at the deadline. With yeah. half the league making the playoffs, I feel like we'd be more inclined to see te- more teams buying. But then you're also kind of considering, like, at the, the same how, time, yeah, it could go either way. Because it's just what like a lot of owners and a lot of front offices are going to be looking at is like, the revenue increase that you get from making the playoffs in a season where you're yeah. losing a lot of money, just making the playoffs is more money in your pocket. Yeah. But are you going to go all out just to make the playoffs? Like I, I would think that it, it is literally easier. It's the easiest it's ever been to make the playoffs in the MLB. So I would honestly expect teams to stand pat, you know, just like not make huge moves. Cause they're like, all right, we're going to make the playoffs anyway. Like let's not fucking sell the farm. Yeah, I mean, it really, it's, it's, a, it could go it's either way. Line. It literally, yeah, exactly. It's like, I think, I think maybe we'll see more teams trying to make that huge jump up to a contender, less teams making moves to, you know, kind of get in that conversation. Yeah. Uh, uh, real quick, NFL, then we'll get to the mailbag. Literally one question, one NFL question for you. Uh, are hmm. you buying the Cam Newton hype? Uh, I like what his, like, I honestly like what he's been saying. Um, okay. I, the fact that he's been like very, like he hasn't been causing trouble and not that I really expected well, I him to. Cam Newton gets a bad rap for like. Yeah. All right, all right, let's he, be real here. The Carolina Panthers. 
Yeah, the Carolina Panthers did an absolutely horrific job of, like, managing their team, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, let's not forget they were in the Super Bowl five years ago. So, um, Camden won an MVP had, – literally had one of, like, the yeah. best single seasons that you and I have, yeah. like, ever seen personally. Well, I think, like, that could be a reason where he's like, bro, why am I not starting? Like, I am literally am a former MVP. And he has been, like, like from what I've, like, seen from, you know, the, like, Patriots reporters, like – you know, he, he seems to be doing pretty well in practice and all. I mean, I don't know. This is going to be a but weird it, Patriots season. It's always season. like, like, you know, how much are you going to believe, like, training camp hype? I, I everyone, can't. Everyone looks great in training camp. I can't. I, I'm, I am very curious to see not just the Patriots, all teams, how rookies adjust. Because Bill Belichick said, like, we're just throwing them into the ocean. Yeah. Like, they're, 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 they're going to be drowning. Like, it's, and it's only going to get worse. Like, you get picked on. Like, what does Joe Burrow do, right? He hasn't had – he's been able to study the playbook. Did you see Joe Burrow's new chain? Oh, it's icy. Ooh, Joe Ooh. Burrow got a fat chain. I honestly up, expect nothing less. From I'm him. making up the mailbag as we go because we didn't get any freaking questions, Evan. Th- yeah. I'm not even watching, but we didn't get any questions today. Uh, yeah, he, question for you. Personally, I'd be a little concerned about Brady adjusting to the Bucks offense. Yeah. I'd like – you look at what Bruce Arians likes to do, and that's air the ball out, push the ball mm-hmm. down the field – you look mm-hmm. at the way Tom Brady has been so successful the last three or four seasons in the league. It hasn't been with the deep ball. It hasn't been. Although, not not a huge emphasis on it. He a couple seasons not a huge ago emphasis on it. Certainly not this season. He did not throw it well down the field, but also did not attempt it that many times. Well, I just wasn't the offense. You didn't have any. That? Well, but also you didn't, who who are you throwing the ball down? Who are you throwing the ball to down the field? Mohamed Sanu, like yeah. Nikhil Harry, like. <laughs> Muhammad I mean, Sanu yeah, was it's, not it's a very, a very good fair receiver. point. That, like, Muhammad like, Sanu might not make the roster. Really, I didn't hear that. I like. I literally saw like Patriots like reporters there like saying like he has been outperformed, has not played well, like wow. is in danger of not making. But Muhammad Sanu, very good. Julio Jones. Yeah. Back to what I was saying though about Brady on the Bucks. I mean, yes, he's going to be playing with like the best offensive support he's had in years. Like mm-hmm. by far, Mike Evans, probably the second best receiver he's ever played with, behind Ooh. Randy Moss. Like I, how I, that's been the issue for how many years in New England? Was it like oh we've got like Brady? Yeah, but like who the hell is he throwing the ball to? I still need to see Mike Evans like do it on a big stage type thing. Like can't just have empty stats for like Jameis Winston. Like I mean, Mike Evans has kind of been like a top five wide receiver since he came into the league. He's, yeah, he's, also been, he's, al- he's also been, he's also been quite inconsistent at times. Like Not again, really. you're, again, you're talking about literally an offense where all they do is just air it out. Right. Okay. Like, but he still produces. And like, you know, they're throwing the ball to him before I'm still he, taking, I'm it was still really taking the like, Mike Evans show before Chris, I, before Godwin broke out. Yeah. It was literally just Mike Evans. I'm still taking like, like two receivers. I'm still taking like I'll Michael Thomas and Give me a name. Michael I'm Thomas about, and Deandre Hopkins. I'm no, taking I'm talking comfortably about over him. Guys break. I mean, I'd put him right up there with those guys. He's a top five receiver that Brady has probably he's a, ever he's played with. He's a tier with. one wide receiver. Yeah. Okay, like, so a top five receiver that Brady's probably ever played with. I think probably. I'm, name me one Patriots wide receiver in the last three seasons that's better than Mike Evans. And Julian Edelman is the name that comes up. but and He's not even close to Mike Evans. Uh, well, Production-wise, he might be. I'm talking talent-wise. Like, talent-wise, it's not even close. 
It's not even close. Again, but you even said it yourself, right? Julian Edelman is a lot closer to what Tom Brady likes to do on offense than Mike Evans. I mean, yeah. So it's going to be interesting. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be interesting to see. But talent-wise, Mike Evans, top five receiver in the league. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an interesting fit. I mean, like he, if anyone's going to be able to adjust to an offense, it's going to be Tom Brady. We also got like – But it's just so we're different. We're getting to the point where Brady, where it's like he is visibly declining. Yeah. Like he does not have – This was the, the first season. This was the first season where you were like – The seasons before, you were like, okay, not the Brady we're used to seeing. This season, you're like, damn. They don't have good receivers. Their offensive line is depleted. But, damn, he does not look that good. No, he doesn't. And it's like – It's getting to the point where you, Brady is not necessarily helping things. No. I, I think he will be able to adjust well. I mean, they'll simplify the offense for him if they have to. But, I mean – you need a good slot receiver. And you got Godwin. Yeah. Godwin and you got um, – what's his name? They need Humphreys back. Humphreys, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Well, no, he's on the Titans. Right. He, he was on the Bucks. Yeah. Then the Patriots wanted to sign him. He had already signed with the Titans. Yeah, well, yeah, literally. Like, there's a reason we're talking about him right now, aren't we? <laughs> like, Great point, Nolan. Um, yeah, Nolan also still spelling my name wrong. Um, got anything else, Ben? Um, I mean, the, our one mailbag question from the one and only Evan Unterreiner. I mean, we, we address, what does the NBA season look like? I don't fucking know. <laughs> who knows? Uh, really, they're probably going to start, they're, they're going to start playing by the weekend. Maybe start playing by tomorrow. I like, even like the product will be fine, but like what comes out of this will be very interesting. To yeah. Watch. It's a very fluid situation. I'm, yeah. We know as much as you guys do. Actually, I'm an insider, so I know more. No, you're not. That's cool. Yeah, no, you don't. Um, but do check out our interview with Jake Asman, a uh, uh, reporter with ESPN Houston, a sports map national host, good friend of the show. Obviously, we went to him. Went with school. Went, went to school with him. We're going to have that interview up a little later. Really interesting uh, conversation about boycotts, what can come out of this, and then just a little bit talking about you know, what he's seen from NBA playoffs. He does yep. cover the Houston Rockets. So, um, Ben, always, Ben, always a pleasure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me on this live. Right, right, yeah. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We <laughs> hey, will uh, follow us. Follow yep, the page, yep. Second Floor Sports, right here on Instagram. If you're not following, I don't know what you're doing. Follow yeah, us on uh, Twitter, at Two Floor Sports. You mm-hmm. can find our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Carlton, Ben underscore Carlton one. He's at you'll, Matthias you'll, underscore wild. You'll have that handle soon, Ben. Don't if worry. If you guys want to do me a favor and report at Ben Carlton on Twitter, I want that handle. I need well, it. Well, we also, we also can't have uh, 2ND Floor Sports because nope. there's a page that hasn't tweeted since like 2015 that has that handle. So you can do that too. That'd be great. Um, We'd appreciate it. We'll have the interview with Jake Asman up later today, probably in the next hour. This episode will be up at the end of the day. Ben, I'll talk to you next week. So long.